This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, Mr. Bain, here we are back with another Strength and Anger episode. Another one. Uh, we are going to go through the main event project today. Not a uh, side show, main event. So we've got uh, an interview coming up with Leah Reichman and Amber Hansen. But first, let's tie up some loose ends from past episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some good feedback for some future Devil's Advocate episodes. I would agree. Um, using one bar versus three bars. Mm-hmm. Hashtag gold standard. Wrong. Um, using uh, an arch or not arch on the bench. Um, we got uh, using your own liftoff person on uh, on the bench, a la USAPL. I mean, yeah, good, good handies are, are definitely a difference maker. Um, and my own meme that, uh, I, I, to be fair, it wasn't my meme, I stole it. But the meme that we posted mm-hmm. talked about sumo being cheating. Um, that would probably be a decent uh, a decent devil's advocate as well. Yeah, I think so. I got some uh, some decent feedback on the episode, folks. Uh, they they dug it. I think a lot of people have discussed the potential dangers of you know weight cutting and and twenty four hour weigh ins and what it, what it uh, what the implications are. And ultimately, when speaking to folks more in depth on oh it adds extra travel blah blah like listen it's it's it just is what it is. There's so many other sports that that do that. And uh, one particular elderly gentleman elderly gentleman reached out to me. He was very hard of hearing, so we had to cheer for him very loudly at the push-pull recently. Uh, said that you add another day to the event is such fucking bullshit. Most lifters, unless they live in the same city, are arriving at least a day early anyway. This gives them just more time to enjoy the food around the area and to just enjoy themselves and relax. I don't know about other people, but I like to make meat into a bit of a vacation. Not disagreeing. So. Yeah, I don't disagree either. Um, and, you know, it also makes your day of lifting more stressful and longer. Right. So, I mean, even if it's just you're not cutting weight, even if you're just looking for the convenience factor, weighing in the night before takes takes that out of the equation. Yeah. You know, and then oh. the morning of, you just got to show up and, may, you know, show for the rules meeting and be ready to go. The rules. Oh, rules. Uh, sorry, I don't, I don't read those. Oh, right. I'm, I'm an yeah. athlete. Perfect. Awesome. Um, I got lots of good feedback on my quote Frank story. That you did. Um <laughs> And I'm going to get some feedback this week on, uh, on my Stone story. Th- th- this one, I will say, because I know this Stone story. This one's all time. Yeah. It's, this... it's definitely all time. So, uh, Other than that, Mr. Bain, uh, what is going on? Well, this one's pretty exciting. I had made this announcement on the social medias, but I'll make it on here as well. So uh, for those who don't know, my oldest son, Austin, he's a senior in high school. He's 18 years old. Austin is on the autism spectrum. And so... My wife and I have had to kind of work through a lot of things over the last, uh, well, 13 years since his diagnosis, understanding uh, where he fell on the spectrum, what his capabilities were, which truly are are being shown to us more and more every year. And it was really exciting. And though at the same time, it was very difficult to watch him interact with his peers or not so much and express himself and then going through the transition of uh, elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, going through puberty, like all those things are, are, are a challenge for those that maybe are just wired a little bit differently, right? And so Austin and us have been talking about kind of the next step uh, in his life. And one of those steps, he decided that he wanted to go to college. I have not forced my children either way on going to college because I feel there is merit to uh, other avenues when it comes to your education. And But he decided he wanted to go. And his first choice was Columbia College here in Chicago. Uh, and actually, it was the only school he applied to, I found out later. 
Uh, but yeah, really exciting. Austin uh, not only got into school, uh, we found out last week uh, as of this recording, but then also received, uh, for all intents and purposes, a full ride for his four, first four years. More than likely, he'll need a victory lap to finish his uh, his degree. He's going for uh, film and uh, and television, and it, we could not be more ecstatic uh, for him. So that is the uh, that is the big news in the main households. That's pretty pretty fucking cool. I think it would get very high ratings. I, I think so. I think Austin's gonna do gonna do great. Uh, you know, we're making some decisions on will he live on campus or not, and how we make all that work. But uh, again, very very excited, and honestly, very excited to have that part of uh, <laughs> my life kind of figured out for a short period of time. So. It's going to work. <laughs> that is going to. Uh, awesome. Stone, what's going on with you? Uh, we had, since the last recording, we've had two events. Both? At the, uh, at the, uh, at the gym. Um, we had Static Monsters, which is a worldwide event mm-hmm. based out of Australia. Um, it was uh, small but fun. Uh, that's what she said. Uh, I was waiting for that. No, she did not say that. Mm. Uh, it was a... <laughs> it's okay, honey. The big ones hurt. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a, uh, kind of like a hybrid strongman powerlifting meet where you get three attempts on a log clean and press and then an axle deadlift, which is about 16 inches up. So a uh, small event for us, but, uh, went well, um, mm-hmm. something we'll do in the future. And the next weekend we had our rise, of the deadlift beast of the bench press making its return. Yes. Um, it was off last year. We just had so oh. many other events. So it rose from the dead. Uh, I guess Ayo. we will probably put those two events on one day or one weekend next year, just to kind of combine, uh, you know, combine our setup and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and our client here at two XL Griffin had his first meet with coach Katie. He had a great day. Did very well. Mm-hmm. Um, benched one fifty five, and, uh, his parents, I think we're all very happy. So, uh, we posted a picture of him and Katie a couple times and, uh, always happy to have, uh, new clients, Participating in our meets. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he had a good time. At least he appeared to, and I think the crowd uh, really enjoyed him. Uh, him participating. Definitely. Um, other than that, Mr. Bain, you are fake news. What is fake news? Rotten Tomatoes is fucking fake news. That's what it is. All right, man. I'm I, feeling pretty spicy about this one. You know, I mean, I, I hadn't thought about this one, but you're 100 percent right. So. Rotten Tomatoes is ultimately a, uh, an aggregator of movie reviews by quote-unquote critics. And some of these folks are uh, civilians, just like you and me, that are able to put their reviews of, of movies. But it carries so much sway now because, because movies can be viewed by some of these individuals prior to them being released. I personally am a big fan of the Marvel series. I think we've made it fairly known that I'm not even a closet nerd. I'm a big nerd. And... You know, th- this coming weekend, as of this recording, The Eternals is opening uh, as one of the new uh, movies coming out post the uh, Infinity Gauntlet era. Okay. My wife and I have been very excited about this one because of a lot of the new characters being introduced. And it seems to be getting universally panned on Rotten Tomatoes. Everything I've seen says this is going to be right up the alley of a, uh, a Marvel movie. And what is very frustrating to me is we are, we are in this era, and I always equate it back to this. Think about this. When Michael Jordan was in his prime. You had to think about it. who who was ever going to be MVP besides Michael Jordan. No one. It was never a question, right? Because he was the best player in the league. You look at today's era, and this is with a lot of other things, with like LeBron James's, with movies. Not only do you have to have the same level of you know excellence with it, whether it's a sports performance or a movie, you have to raise the bar. You can only do that so much, and there's only incremental things you can do to make a movie or a performance or whatnot better. And it's very frustrating that we are still looking for that new shiny object. And so what is probably a really, really solid film with great acting performances, when you look at the roster of actors that Marvel brings in, um, 
is getting panned because oh well it's definitely not Infinity War or uh, the or Endgame like well no shit because that took eleven years to build up you fuckers and so they are fake news. Rotten Tomatoes. Your organization's terrible. Let's go. Exactly. You know, I, usually when Rotten Tomatoes says they don't like something, mm-hmm. usually I assume that uh, that the movie's good. I, <laughs> I mean. Just as of recently, uh, the quote critics mm-hmm. uh, pan Dave Chappelle's re- recent special on Netflix, which I've not seen because I don't have Netflix. But I love Dave Chappelle's comedy. I'm sure it's really, really funny. It is. It is excellent, and I highly recommend. Don't get me wrong. There are some things in there that will make you think. Absolutely, there are some things in there that will make make you go hmm. Absolutely, you need to watch this all the way through because when you truly understand the message, I believe he's trying to portray and the context and the context. Yeah, it's incredibly important. And he's not. He's saying what I love is he's not backing down from it. Saying, "Listen, like I'll talk to y'all, but you need to you need to actually hear my message and not what somebody else told you about it." Right. And, and yeah, I, I think that was Dave's point. Was hey, I will only talk to someone about this if they've watched my entire special start to finish. Mm-hmm. So, no, it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my fake news this week. Uh, yeah, say Stone. What is fake news? Uh, yeah, my fake news this week is telling parents, "quote I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach." Huh? You are fake news. And I don't want to make this a political issue because I really don't think it is a political issue. Um, to me, this is just uh, a right and wrong issue. Yeah. We uh, schooling and education has, and I think should continue to be a mostly local issue. We have local school boards in which, you know, citizens of the local school district have to run and volunteer their time to oversee the schools. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly not a perfect system, um, but I think it is a good system, which uh, makes sense when you think of the context that we, we want education to be overseen by the local community and make sure that it especially when it comes to values. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to education, sure, I think you should teach you should teach facts, you should teach uh, the classics when it comes to uh, literature, you should teach math, you should teach science. But when it comes to values, that's where I think the parents I'm very roll. highly educated. <laughs> I think when it comes to <laughs> values, I think that's where parents should be the primary educator when it comes to morals and values. And not that... Some of those things can't be imparted through school, um, but don't tell me that it's not my job to know what's being taught in my children's school. And it turns out that's not a very good winning political issue either. Huh. Who, who would have thunk it? So. Who would have thunk? Well, that's said because we don't want to make this a political podcast. We have gotten some feedback on that. But these, some of these things do still matter, and, and I agree with you. I think that is fake news. As a parent of a large you know, number of children, uh, I do believe it's important that we are interactive with the schools and what they teach, how they teach, and how they impart knowledge to my children because ultimately I'm responsible for all the tied to terrorists that live in my house. So listen to our past episode, you'll get my, uh, my thoughts on small children. So with that, let's move on to one of the legendary Stone stories. Mr. Stone, take it away. So this one is titled Steamworks. Um, this is a classic Stone story that many at and, the gym have heard. And, and real quick, the way I heard this story, because I, I do want to talk about this real quick before you dive in. I was talking to Eric about beer. I like beer. Eric likes beer. I like IPAs. Eric likes some IPAs, usually hazy, but again, he is picky. Um, I'm not. So 
I was talking about a particular brewery that brewery that I enjoy based here in Chicago. They are Chicago Pipeworks. And then Eric says, oh, Steamworks? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then... So my client, Jill, and I, who's been a long-term client of mine, probably for five years. Andy Jill. Yeah. Uh, she's kind of like our, our, our gym aunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way of describing her. She apparently is visiting she, her she, nephew. She's the cool aunt. She's got weed every now and then. Yeah. She's dope. Uh, she was visiting <laughs> her nephews in Chicago, who at the time lived on the north side. Um, and they're kind of like her adopted kids because she does not have kids of her own. So she's very close to their nephews. Um, and they were looking for a bar, pub. So she's literally Andy Jill. Yeah, Definitely. She was looking for a bar pub microbrewery mm-hmm. and on Google found Steamworks. Not to be confused with Chicago Pipeworks like I'm talking about. So uh, Jill and her nephews click on the website of Steamworks and they found out that Steamworks is not a bar, but rather a bathhouse. With a very exclusive clientele. Exclusively for men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. As Jill is telling me the story, and we're kind of laughing about it, she was saying she was trying to get her nephews, because I guess there's a gym inside there in addition to a sauna. Just get a quick pump in. Um, and uh, Jill was telling her nephews that she would buy them a membership to the Steamworks if they would just go in there to see what was going on. So, so Jill, Jill told her nephews this. Correct. Got it. Yep. And as Jill is telling me the story, uh, we'll say a former, quote, associate of mine mm-hmm. who was also in the gym at the time. Um, and we're going to call him Carl. Okay. And just call like him or them, uh, him. Okay. And just for, just for, for clarity, uh, Carl is not his name. Nope. So we're just going to use that name just like Frank last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl walks by as Jill to, is telling the guilty. Yeah. As, as Jill's telling me the story, uh, Carl walks by and says, yeah, I've been there referring to the Steamworks. And again, this is where I'm thinking the first time I hear this, uh, you mean Chicago Pipeworks, right? No. Nope. Uh, Jill, <laughs> Jill and I are both very surprised, um, and we say, what? And, uh, and I just want to say, for, for clarity's sake, that neither Bay nor I have any issue with any adult relationship anybody has. Yeah, um, correct. With, with anybody of any gender. Um, so or, we don't have, or number of genders, whatever you want to do. Sure, exactly. Um, I, Carl, on the other hand, um, I would say he is at least trending towards the homophobic end. I'm not going to say he's homophobic, but... I'm not going to say he's not. Yeah. Uh, Based the, on what I know from Carl. At the time, Carl is in a committed relationship with a female. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure on the status at that time. doesn't really matter either way. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl used to ask me numerous times if my brother Ken was gay mm-hmm. because he had an earring. And I would tell Carl that no... Ken is not gay. At the time, I think he was perhaps engaged. I mean, um, to be fair, if by the old English version of happy and carefree, then yes, Ken's extremely gay. <laughs> so like Carl him. proceeds to tell us that, because uh, obviously Jill and I are curious, like, how did you come on this establishment? Um, Carl proceeds Pro- to tell probably us. probably really want to reword that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carl proceeds to tell us that he was looking for a 24-hour sauna after an injury he'd had at a meet. And for darn, some reason, darn those meat injuries. For some, for some reason, he was looking for this twenty-four hour sauna really late at night because it was apparently in the middle of the night when he went there. Because why wouldn't you want to go to a sauna in the middle of the night? That's why he needed a twenty-four hour sauna and not just a sauna that's open during the day. I guess. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and by the way, Carl at the time lived in we'll say more the southern suburbs of Chicago, south, south and western. Yeah. Um, and uh, this establishment, Steamworks 
is located or was. I, don't, I assume it's still open. I don't know that for sure. Um, it's on the north side of Chicago. Of, of the city. Of the city of Chicago. Yeah. Practically to Wrigley Field. And it is a long ways from Carl's residence mm-hmm. to Wrigley Field. Um, from Lombard to Wrigley Field, mm-hmm. uh, it is at least an hour in good traffic to Wrigley Field. Yes. Because we, yeah, it's, we have made that drive a couple times because we've helped CrossFit Defined mm-hmm. in Chicago run a couple of meets. And they are a stone's throw from Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. And they are not terribly far from the Steamworks. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So Carl proceeds to tell us how he went to this 24-hour sauna, quote, for recovery from this injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, he, Carl, thought it was, quote, odd that, uh, I'm going to paraphrase his words, that there was protection available in the bathroom. Like as in private security? Um, or no. Or security for your privates? He, more towards the latter. Oh, um, what, what are those? I don't I don't. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know what those are. Uh, yeah. Uh, so when Carl got into the actual sauna, he observed two male individuals engaged in what I will call intimate behavior. So <clears throat> I think it also is worth noting that between where Carl lived at that time and this Steamworks, there were multiple, because this is pre-pandemic, exports, LA Fitness, and Anytime Fitness, all of which, almost all of which, come equipped with a 24-hour song. Uh, I mean, Carl, who frequented our gym, uh, and our gym is maybe 10 minutes from a Downers Grove export that has a 24-hour sauna. Very and, important to this. And, and again, not making any assumptions, just observing the data. Uh, and in fact, because lifters would ask us, where is there a sauna? And we would often tell them, mm-hmm. the export in Downers Grove has a 24-hour sauna. You could buy a day pass and go there. So... Back to Carl. He is observing two male individuals engaged in, as you would say, intimate contact. And, uh, again, Carl purportedly is uh, in a committed relationship with a female, mm-hmm. observes this behavior, and then says to Jill and I, quote, yeah, when I saw that, 45 minutes later, I said, I got to get out of here. That's the best part of the whole story. Like, again, knowing what Carl, the things Carl would say about those he deemed possibly in that same group, because he, I would say, to your point, would trend towards the homophobic and definitely the uh, the insulting of that group, a hundred percent, and felt them somehow inferior to him. So yeah, it, it was uh, <laughs> the forty five minutes I got to get out of there. Mind boggling. Jill and I are quite shocked by this entire story. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that it happened, not only that he would offer up this story. And very nonchalant. Oh, yeah, I've been there. And especially if this was indeed accidental, that mm-hmm. he accidentally ended up in a bathhouse that is exclusively created by men who primarily enjoy the company of other men. and he The intimate company of other men. And he purportedly does not. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the rest of that week, he proceeds to tell other individuals in the gym the exact same story, almost proudly. So that is the Steamworks story. Absolute Steamworks. Forty-five minutes later, we hardly knew ye, and I got to get out of there. <laughs> so if you ever hear us say about forty-five minutes, I had to get forty-five out of there. minute workout, and you got to get out of there. That's that. That is the Steamworks story. 
So well, let's, uh, let's move on to something. Let's move on. Yeah, um, let's talk powerlifting. <laughs> let's uh, let's go. Well, yeah, uh, that started in a powerlifting gym, at least. Yeah, there was uh, a, a meat injury. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, let's go to our Palooza throwback. Throwback, throwback, throwback. November 2000, Mr. Bain. Man. What were you doing in November 2000? I'm going to set Eric up for this one. I was a freshman at Mount Mercy playing soccer. Nobody cares about soccer. And this is when I, I at this point, I'd already gotten hurt my freshman year. And had started in the weight room. And so I was, at that point, I'd been lifting for probably two months. And I'd probably put on 8 to 10 pounds because I was just training, eating, and sleeping. And occasionally going to class. <laughs> I was about to say, going to class included in there? Uh, a little suspect there. That, that was the nice thing at that time at Mount Mercy is I didn't necessarily have to go to class. As long as I turned in all my stuff, no one really fucking cared. Hmm. It's kind of nice. Kind of missed that. Stone, what were you doing? Um, I was a senior in high school. Uh, Nobody I, cares about high school. Uh, I don't know that we were still playing in November. Uh, if we were, it was ending, or otherwise it would have been nearing the end of football season. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, I was planning on going to the 2000 WPC Worlds in Las Vegas. I had done APF Teenage Nationals, which was in Chicago, mm-hmm. that May. Um, and I had hurt my back doing a Russian high-volume, high-frequency program and had to skip out on the 2000 Worlds, and actually didn't do a meet in 01, didn't do another meet until 2002. Is a squat pitch deadlift every uh, couple of days? Uh, something like that, yes, uh, something yeah. like that. What was going on in the world, though? Well, November 2000, mm-hmm. uh, November 24th, Florida declares George W. Bush the winner of the 2000 presidential election yeah. about th- after three weeks of recounting, mm-hmm. and at the time, Vice President Al Gore Planned you contest the result in court. Super ethereal. And as we all know, uh, he eventually would lose. But this was the he era. Lost, he uh, lost to the Chads. This was the era of hanging Chads and mm-hmm. dimpled Chads and holding up, uh, you know, ballots up to the light. Mm-hmm. And Voter intent. Voter intent. I right. That one. Voter intent. So did the voter intend to vote for somebody? Yes. Um, I, I, I think they're just now assuming the voter's intent anymore. Yeah, they don't worry about intent. They just worry about uh, well, the, the result. <laughs> yeah. uh, what were the top TV shows uh, in the fall of 2000? Mm-hmm. Survivor. Yep. ER. Er. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? To the Wednesday and Tuesday versions. Mm-hmm. And Friends. Uh, by the way, there were four different days of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Dude, people loved that in shit the top when it came 15. Out. Like four is on four days a week. It was crazy. But, but then when you think about it, think about like Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy. They're on five days a week. So they're this, not was, a, they're this a, was going that route. They're not on a prime time, though, as Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was. But fair. Yeah. Um, it was popular. It was. Um, the top movies of November 2000. Mm-hmm. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Charlie's Angels. Nice. Unbreakable. Also nice. Rugrats in Paris. Mm-hmm. And Meet the Parents. Of those, I have seen Meet the Parents. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Unbreakable, to me, is an underrated movie. Very underrated. I think just I like the whole concept of it because it got, again, got the critics panned that movie. Hated it. Get fucked. Yeah, I like that movie. It's not a great movie, but I like the whole premise Hate, of it. Hated it. Um, on the cover of this November 2000 Powerlifting USA is Marcus Sheik mm-hmm. of Germany. And the quote is, the best bench of all time. Mm-hmm. And Marcus is a little person. Yep. Um, uh, he is a prolific bench presser. Was. I don't know that he's still. He is, it doesn't look like he's competed since uh, 2016, uh, but has competed, you know, 
Uh, I, I wrote 2006. It was actually supposed to be. Well, maybe no. Maybe it was 2006. I'd have to go back and check that. No, mm-hmm. from 06 on, that should have been last competing in 2016. Gotcha. Um, he did at this time a. 562-pound bench at 152-pound body weight. That's crazy. At the time, it was the top coefficient bench of all time. And this was at the WPO Bench Bash for cash. Mm -hmm. And he won $4,500 for that one bench. Nice. So he won the placement award, which was $2,500. He won $1,000 for breaking an all-time world record. And then he won another $1,000 for being the top uh, best overall lifter. Wow. Um, he competed mostly in the IPF from 93 to 95. Um, then he started competing WPC, WPO for about 97 through about 05. And then from 2006 on up until about 2016, he, uh, he's been competing IPF again. Mm-hmm. And even most recently, uh, in 2016, he did IPF Masters Worlds, both raw and equipped. Both? He did 540 single ply in April. And then did 402 Raw, and that was in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And then did 402 Raw in May in South Africa. Um, and that was in this, you know, within a month of each other. His best lift uh, was a 650-pound multiply bench. Wow. A 620 single ply and a 474 Raw bench. And he's competed mostly 165, 181, um, and with the new IPF weight classes now, mostly 183. Mm-hmm. So that is Marcus Sheik. That's that. It's just you look at those numbers. That's incredible. It's yes. wild. He is built to bench. He is. Yes. Um, the WPO bench pass itself had the results in this issue. It was September 9th, two thousand, in Daytona Beach, and it was run alongside the WPO finals, I believe, at the time. Um, Marcus Sheik won first in the lightweights. He did five sixty two on a fourth attempt world record. Kenny Patterson from Westside Barbell. <laughs> he did six eighty three on a fourth to win the middleweights. Um, a, quote, virtual unknown, Travis Rogers, won the middle uh, heavyweights, mm-hmm. excuse me, with a 677-pound bench, beating Tiny Meeker, who had a 661-pound bench. Um, Travis Rogers was supposedly a virtual unknown from Arcade, New York. According to Open Powerlifting, this was his second meet. Jesus. And he did not bench again. He only did two meets, two in 2000, did not bench again until 2006, he did a handful of meets between 06 and 09, and that was it. Um, his best bench was 826 equipped and 605 raw. That's a strong motherfucker, man. Jesus. Um, apparently, this bench bash for cash gave away $25,000 in prize money. That was just the bench bash. Wow. And it was interesting. Kieran Kidder said mm-hmm. at this meet he had done away with the formula and went to the super open weight classes, um, lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight, which I believe at the time was lightweight was up to 165, middleweight was up to 220, and heavyweight was above that. Um, and he did away with the formula because uh, I guess one person in particular kept winning every meet. Mm. So, so well, interesting. Must that, suck when that happens. Yeah, he he, uh, he went away to it, and Wayne Pullum went back to it. So, yeah. um, oh, this is this is an interesting one, Mr. Bain. Yeah, we started talking about this. The advanced squat cycle by Louis Simmons, and it had. Three four-week waves of strength speed squats, starting with extremely high band tension and lower bar weight. It's like extremely fucking high. The first week, there's only 135 pounds of bar weight, five sets of two, 
with 635 pounds of band tension at the top. That's, that's stupid. How do you even, like, get 600 pounds of band tension? All the bands. This was a cycle apparently designed for a 900-pound squatter. The next wave, you, you really take the band tension down. Mm-hmm. And there was a four-week wave, and there was something mentioned that, like, after that four-week wave, then you do a top single. So it might have been a five-week wave, but it wasn't, you know, in the chart at least. So nonetheless, in the next four-week wave, there's much, much less band tension and more bar weight. Um, so it was more like 260 pounds of band tension at the top, which is not a small amount of band no, tension either. Like, that's nothing to a stick at, man. What's interesting is that on all these four-week waves, the band tension remains stable, and only the bar weight is manipulated. Um, so that one is at least for this particular squatter, and this said, Louis said this was cycle was designed for a 900-pound squatter. Um, the bar weight was around the 400-ish range, you know, cy- cycling up every week. Mm-hmm. The final four-week wave is, I guess, medium band tension, um, and waving the bar weight, it's 420 pounds of band tension at the top. And the bar weight is a little bit lighter, but similar to what was in that middle four weeks. Wow. And Louis called this circa maximal or the near maximal method. And then after that final. Circa maximal. <laughs> and then after that final four week wave, um, there is a two week deloading phase. No, there's not. They don't do that there. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's in there. And I believe that's where people get the six-week Circamax cycle. Mm. Um, I would love to know what the actual bands use to get 600 pounds of band tension. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure I could do the math, but it's a lot. It has to be like a couple strong bands each side and then like uh, maybe a couple averages. I mean, I know it depends on the height of the person, but like I'd like to know like, you know, was I, sometimes Louis would use even colors. And I could probably, you know, reinterpret that. But I mean... We've gone up to, like, average bands for speed work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had Trey Shoup go up to the next one, which are, was I think, strong bands. strong bands. Okay. Strong bands. There's then strong. And then I think even after that, there's another set of there's bands. A, there's a, he- a heavy set of bands. I've seen Jeez. those. So, and, the, and those are, like, four to five inches wide. Like They're stupid. Now, it, it is the way that Westside hooked up their bands at that time, it was very, not slack, but very loose at the bottom because mm-hmm. they basically would just – choke it around the monolith base. Eventually, they would add a 4x4, four four, which add a little bit more. Um, we typically do an L right. um, with the band pegs, which I think is a little bit more band tension at the bottom um, than the way Westside does it. But nonetheless, um, there was the top 50 USA men's 114 and 123-pound class of all time. Mm-hmm. And at this time, your top squat for the 114 was 534 pounds by Jay Chunha. Mm-hmm. Your top bench press was 330 pounds. Was it John Chun? It was not John Chun. He's not that small. <laughs> uh, the top bench was 330 pounds by C. Hollyfield. The top deadlift was B. Green with a 512-pound deadlift. Damn. And C. Dunbar with the top total with 1245. That was the top 114-pound lifters at this time, which again is back in 2000. Your top 123-pound lifters, uh, top squat, D. Butterball. It's literally, it's B-U-T-E-R-B-A-U-G-H. Butterball. Uh, 551. K. Utend with a top bench press of 374 pounds. Uh, The very famous Lamar Gant with a 639-pound deadlift, top of the deadlift. 
And his deadlift 639, number one. Number two is 562. <laughs> so that's how much higher away Lamar Gant is. Yeah. And unsurprisingly, Lamar Gant is also top in the total with a 1383-pound total. And wow. Gant was fourth in the squat with 518. And let's see if I could find him. Uh, he is 12th in the bench with uh, 319. So a strong dude, man. Like Very, very strong. So those are your top 50 of the lightest weight classes. Um, Ironic that we will talk about that today. It is ironic. Um, And I just thought it was of note you had results from the ADAU Nationals, the Anti-Drug Athletes United. Oh, sure, sure. Which at the time was run by Al Siegel. So even in 2000, Al Siegel, I'm fairly certain, I think he's passed. I wish we would have had a chance to talk to him. I'm fairly certain Al Siegel was the one who really started an actual raw division. And I believe he's the person who actually coined the term raw. And he started in the AAU and then left and formed the ADAU. Um, There was also results from 100% raw nationals. So the raw movement was small, but it was underway in the late 2000s. Um, My brother Ken and I got on one of the old message boards, and we were kind of poking fun at 100% raw because they allowed knee sleeves, wrist straps, and belt, which we said – isn't 100% raw. Well, you ain't that raw. <laughs> I think my brother Ken said, shouldn't you call yourself 95% raw? They didn't, <laughs> they didn't think that was nearly as funny as he and I did. Uh, you know, no, I think that's good, Ken. <laughs> the top 100 from September 99 through August 2000. your people. Top of the squat was Wade Hooper, mm-hmm. a USAPL lifter with a 727-pound squat. Uh, top of the bench was Larry Miller, I believe another USAPL lifter with a 490-pound bench. T. Gaspari with a... Gaspari? No, there's no S in there. It's C-A-P-R-A-R-I with a 683-pound deadlift. And Angelo Berdelandelli, who I know of, is more like an APF lifter, Top of the total with a 1780 total. Nice. Um, Angelo was number two in the squat with 722. He was number two. Actually, he was tied for one in the in the bench with 490. Um, so high up there on the total. 1780. Wade Hooper was number two with 1747. So that is your Plusa throwback. Um, so we saved our hot topic because essentially the entire episode is a hot topic on women's weight classes. Yep. Um, the Main Event Project, at Main Event Project on Instagram, posted a petition last week um, on change.org on expanding women's weight classes. Mm-hmm. Um, it got quite a bit of traction on social media. Um, I reposted the petition on the 2XL account, which not that we have any kind of like humongous social media presence, but I think did get it additional, you know, uh, exposure. Um, and I, obviously, I, I know mine did. I reposted it as well. Um, I mean, there's there's lots of individuals involved in the main event. There's four actually. There's four individuals specifically involved in the main event project. All of whom I'd say have a, a fairly decent sized social media following. Yep. Um, Amber Hansen, Leah Reichman, uh, Allison, Allison Hind, and Tara Allison Hind, and yeah, and Tara Weber. Duncan. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Tara Duncan. Yep. Wrong, wrong Tara. Wrong. Um, yeah, wrong Tara. Uh, so. You know, we've got some things to talk about when it comes to the women's weight classes and, in general, the main event project. But let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Amber and Hansen, uh, Leah and Amber, excuse mm-hmm. me, and then we can jump back and kind of go through our uh, our thoughts. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another uh, interview segment here with Strength and Anger. Really excited because we have not one but two 
incredible guests on our show today. Uh, do a quick intro for them. Uh, Leah Reichman, Amber Hansen uh, coming at us today. We're going to be talking some really exciting things with the ladies side of the uh, the strength world. Uh, and as we get into that, ladies, first of all, thank you so much for coming back on Strength and Anger. You've both, both been on individually and super excited to have you both on again. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks for, yeah, thank you. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start with you, Amber. Maybe just a quick intro on who you are and you know, your best lifts in competition, uh, favorite donut to eat during a powerlifting meet, <laughs> and favorite whiskey okay, post-powerlifting meet. I know meet. all the answers to those things, so you're setting me up for success here. <laughs> um, I'm Amber Hansen. I'm a raw and equipped powerlifter. Um, I compete in all of the things, and best lifts, multi-ply, 765, 435, and 560. 559. Oh man, I said I knew it, but just kidding. Um, and That's then uh, my favorite donut to eat. I'm I'm pretty boring. I just like a plain glazed donut. So huh. okay. And Nerd. what weight? Speaking of, since we're talking Glaze about weight classes good. today, what weight class uh, were those lifts mostly in? Uh, those were all in 198. Okay. Awesome. Which I cut down to. And we're going to talk about that. <laughs> and if you're interested about weight cuts, you can certainly listen to our uh, Devil's Advocate episode we just released on Strength and Anger, talking about weight cuts. So, uh, Le- Leah, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Yeah, my name is Leah Reichman. Um, I am an equipped car lifter. I train on the sweat shop in Cincinnati. Uh, my best competition lifts are 925, 473. And six thirty-five. Could you leave and some pounds for the rest of us, Leah? Jesus. <laughs> Good my Lord. favorite donut. And my favorite donut is a Boston cream pie donut. Leah, okay, hold hold up. Yeah. We, we got to get into this for a second. So, both you know, I, I love you both. You're both amazing. Um, but Leah, I don't think our palates could be any more similar. The candy corn, the Boston creams, <laughs> like, dude, like this is. It's a little trippy. I'm not Candy lie. corn rolls, okay? Thank I you. Know. Otherwise, is full of it. Yes. Yikes. I mean, this is totally off topic, but I don't know how that became a thing, but I'm glad that everybody has tried <laughs> the candy yeah. corn peanut combo. It's it's legit. It is, it is very good. I, I am partial to the candy pumpkins, though. I do like those more than candy corn. It's a different texture. A little bit. A little bit. I agree. But it's still delicious. Anyway. So what we wanted to talk about tonight was, you know, your guys, uh, I don't know, movement project um, mm-hmm. initiative, uh, the main event project. Um, you know, last week you guys, I would say, made some noise on social media. Um, I, I'm not, I don't mean that negatively, but certainly, you know, made an impact mm-hmm. um, as far as women's weight classes. So uh, Bane thought maybe we should give just a little bit of context Um this is something I've been working on. Gosh, I think I looked back. I think it was 2008 when I first uh, proposed that we add a women's 220 class. And that was specific to the APF and WPC. Correct. It, yeah. was, it was through the uh, WPC AGM, and I actually – I probably overcomplicated it. At the time, I suggested that we eliminate the women's 97-pound class, mm-hmm. add the women's 220 class, and eliminate the lightest two men's classes. Mm-hmm. Something around that ilk, um, so the weight classes in number-wise were more equal. Um, and similar to your guys, which you'll talk about your uh, thoughts on it, I felt that you know having uh, over 198 as 
at least in the WPC APF we call unlimited, mm-hmm. was maybe a little bit on the light side. Uh, my wife, Jackie, you know, her normal sitting weight around that time and for a while was maybe like in the low 200-ish range. Mm-hmm. And it was very difficult for her to cut to 198. And I thought she, just her body type might fit well at 220. Mm-hmm. And I thought many other females were around that same body type, body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, that was turned down <laughs> summarily by most of the countries. <laughs> yeah, look at that. And I've been thinking about resubmitting that as uh, a rule change for a while. And I think you guys have kind of given me the, uh, the I don't know, the reasoning to go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe, Amber, you can start. Uh, talk a little bit about last week. You guys uh, kind of put out a petition on change.org on expanding women's weight classes. Uh, we talked about that in, in the interview we had with you. You've done actually some research on it, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was like kind of fell into our laps with the main event project. I think it was something that was on our radar, but mm-hmm. then I don't, e- I don't even really remember the catalyst that kind of set it off. For us, just like running with the weight class thing. I don't know if you remember, Leah, but it just kind of happened. Oh, it was oh, yeah. a USPA Q&A, That's and right. I think someone made a comment about it or something, and then um, we're like, you know, the more that the conversation happened in that com- in those comments, I think, you know, we have a group chat, <laughs> and Amber... <laughs> Allison, we're both on that thread, and they're like, we got to do this. I was like, all right. We were like, all right, let's go. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So, and then Amber just really was just on the ball with it. She's like, you know, with the data, like with all of it. So definitely happened, I think, fast, but in a very good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very yeah, good way. I think um, – Eric, you and I have talked about, we talked about this on the, the last time I was on the podcast. And then I had actually, with another group of women, started this kind of like pet project over COVID when everything mm-hmm. was down. And we started pulling together all these numbers and trying to figure out like what this would look like in 10 years if it happened type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, that fell off. We just, I mean, people have lives. We just stopped playing with it. And then this kind of reignited through the project and us four in the group, we're just like, all right, we got to do this. Um, we kind of, it, it was really cool. So the four of us are geographically separated and like, I think Leah, you and I are the ones who knew, knew each other the best on like a personal level, like one-on-one, but we kind of just came together after, you know, just random grumblings of things. And like, <laughs> we wish this was better. Like we, we need to do better here. Like we want more, mm-hmm. like, support for women lifters and we were just like let's do something about it i'm sick of everyone just yeah. you know yep. saying that all of these things are problems yeah don't, like, don't, yeah, don't talk problems, about it be about it like, let's okay, see here's the solution so who is <laughs> we very cool i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say who is we maybe describe who is part of this main event project yeah you um, want to go for it leah of course there is four of us Tara Duncan, um, she trains out of CCDX in Orlando. Mm-hmm. There is Allison Hind in, um, I believe, like Syracuse area. Uh, she's uh, in she's in Albany she's actually, because uh, I was up in Syracuse and she was like two hours away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, she's at Rita's, at Rita's gym. Yep, yep. I was able to go out there, but Allison wasn't able to make it down. Yeah, and then Amber, who is in DC, and myself. So, um, we all just kind of like 
created a group chat um, with some grumblings and stuff like that. Like, really, we were just mad and wanted to write a letter. But <laughs> what, what would you say was the main impetus? Was it the weight class issue or was there something else that you that kind of spurred you to kind of start this? It was it was a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of things. And I think, um, Eric, you kind of said before, like, I think we made I made a little bit of noise on social media a couple maybe months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, when I did that, I think a lot of women reached out to me including, you know, I was already kind of talking to Amber about it, but then Tara and Allison also jumped in and they're like, we want to do something. So that's when I put everybody in a group chat. And we're like, all right, let's, let's brainstorm. Like, what can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, power in numbers. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just kind of snowballed from there and it turned into like, how can we make the sport better for women, more inclusive for women? Um, mm-hmm. we have a bunch of different ideas, but okay, yeah, can yeah. you can, let's I maybe think it was really cool. Oh, sorry, oh, no, go ahead, Amber. Um, I was gonna say, I think it was really cool how, on this specifically, if we're talking the weight class thing, is it was like, okay, identify the issue, identify the problem, okay, come together, and we all kind of like parsed out different tasks, like not even really thinking about what we were doing. We were like, I got this, you got that, she's got this, and it, it was really cool how it all came together and then just one day i think it was last week actually like you know what let's do a petition let's mm-hmm. see what happens with the petition and that is when it got it exploded got yeah. spicy yeah <laughs> yeah very spicy i felt like last week was definitely an emotional roller coaster for many reasons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but totally worth it 100 okay. I mean, wouldn't have done it differently yeah. at all so, Absolutely. Amber, can you talk, and, and maybe you're still working on this, but can you maybe just give some generalities of what the data that you had worked on, what did it show, or what were you trying to show with the data? Mm-hmm. So I actually I just emailed you the most recent one, so you can take okay. a look at that okay. <laughs> later. But with, um, with all of this, I basically wanted to show in the past decade compound growth the uh, numbers of people or women competing within 220, 275, or sorry, 220, 242, 275, 308, 308 plus. Okay. Those actual participation numbers, mm-hmm. federation agnostic, and then the percent growth of each year. Okay. So you would do an absolute and relative essentially with those. Fill out, or this is what it is currently filled out as, mm-hmm. and then take that percentage growth and try and do some like, projections of like okay in 2032 what will these classes look like Mm, sure and that that's really it i i try to stay away from federation specific because we don't really care about that in the project at least i don't because it's about overall powerlifting right um but yeah in a nutshell like that's what i was we were trying to like portray and we even like this is above my head too with like those data projections and figuring out like percent increase, like what it will look like 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Sure. So we freaking hired someone. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. We went online and we went to Upwork, which mm-hmm. is a site where you can hire data scientists. Mm-hmm. And they're like, here's the problem. This is the perfect like thing. This is what we want to put the money towards that we raised through the project to mm-hmm. things like this. Um, so we did that, and our 
data analyst hooked us up with some really cool graphics and some very like clear pictures on how things are. Um, there's some interesting stuff about the COVID year in there. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's really, really cool the way that you can like pick and piece apart that data. So to the two of you, since we're on the weight class issue, what would be the ideal women's weight classes? Would you just like them to be duplicated men and women? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, and I've honestly have thought about this, you know, at first, like, I'm like, I will be totally happy with like 220, 242. If we want to throw in a 275, awesome. But you think about it, like, women, we come in all shapes and sizes. You mm -hmm. know, I know women who weigh 97 pounds. And then there's, you know, women like me, like off the end of the, of the spectrum. Sure. Um, or the bell curve. Um, so, I mean, women, I mean, we just come in all shapes and sizes. So, it's... It, I mean, I guess that gets me on the point of like kind of eliminating lighter weight classes too. But um, sure, should we eliminate? I'm okay with should we eliminate the two lighter weight yeah. classes? Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. And, and it brings up a lot of really good questions because as soon as we open this can of worms, mm -hmm. things like that get answered. Like, do we overhaul all the weight classes? Because that data is showing on the opposite end of the spectrum for both men and women. Like those numbers right. are basically non-existent. Sure. Right. Right. But we have them. And that was right. my, that was my point online. And somebody had asked me about, and I'll give a little bit of context on the APF WPC. Unlike some of the organizations, and I don't say this from a position of being good nor bad, just mm -hmm. there is a procedure in the WPC for changing rules. It has to be submitted to the country heads. Yep. The mm -hmm. country heads vote on it. Um, the WPC president would give the uh, tie-breaking vote if there's a tie, yep. and just normal parliamentary procedure. And I felt the best way to move forward would be just to start one weight class at a time. Mm -hmm. And now, in my, mm -hmm. at least in Eric Stone's mind, and that's not to say that's right or wrong, I, I would probably mm -hmm. see utility in adding a 220 and a 242 because then you would have an equal number of weight classes men and women, because right now you have yeah. two mm -hmm. lighter weight classes for women that men do not have. Right. Yeah. Right. And then yeah, I totally. Up, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Leah. I was, say, I, was, I was just thinking about the weight classes, you know, because, um, for example, Cosette Neely, you know, mm -hmm. she will compete at 97. And I think mm -hmm. the only other person I know personally is Sasia, yeah. um, mm -hmm. who will do it as well. But, you know, what would happen, I guess this is a question for you, Eric, is like, what would happen if you did eliminate that weight class? Like, you know, the all-time world record holders would have that record forever, right? It was, <laughs> like, I mean, you know. in theory, <laughs> theoretically, it would just become a retired record. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we've got a, we've got a female or, training in our gym right now that's competing in the 97-pound oh, class. Uh, definitely, yes. <laughs> when I start walking, I'm like, oh, yeah. That, but it, you. to your point... It uh, she it was ironic. I don't know that I've had a 97-pound female compete in a meet in Illinois, and then I had two in one meet last year, which was very ironic. Yeah. But it is very sparse know. participation. Um, I, I, and I, I guess, I mean, I don't – other federations can do whatever they want, and whatever they think is best for them or the lifters, I'm totally fine with that. But it seemed as though a bunch of federations just kind of like they saw your post, they wanted support, and they just jumped <laughs> in and just – duplicated the, the weight classes, men and women. And I'm, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if those organizations are eliminating the lighter weight classes and just 
maintaining the same weight class as men and women. I'm okay with that if that's what everyone thinks is fine. I, I don't mind one way or the other. I just know that in our organization, which is a bunch of older curmudgeonly people, yep. <laughs> um, change is going to be harder. And so smaller changes are probably more likely to be accepted. And that's why I think maybe my, my proposition 15 years ago was rejected. Maybe I should have just gone women's 220 and not women's 220, eliminate 97. Uh, what are the two lightest men's classes? I think 114, 120, 123. 123, 114. Yeah, I said 123, 114, yeah. Yeah. So I should have just gone one thing at a time, which is why that's what I proposed this time. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally understandable. And we're seeing – so we saw a lot of change come from, uh, like, federations just getting on board with the whole thing mm-hmm. right off the bat. And those federations are ones that are national or, like, have their own sort of, like – Single owner organizations. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like they can make those changes really quickly, and they're a little more agile in those things. But when we're dealing with the bigger international federations that feed into something that has to get approval from different countries or different, you know, now, th- now there was you, know, a you guys are in different time zones. The fairly whole large victory thing, with the WRPF, so. correct? What's that? Well, wasn't there a pretty big movement within the WRPF as well? I uh, starting twenty twenty two. Yeah, those those guys were the most recent, were the probably the, the biggest one to come online. And yeah. Yeah. I think that they're, I mean, they're international as well, but they're pretty, like, like single head. Yeah. Type of basically, like, it, well, it's the U.S. and Russia leadership, with them, right? I thought yeah. it was Australia was big with them, right? Uh, maybe, possibly. Okay. Uh, well, I guess mm-hmm. maybe talk about last week. I mean, the, obviously, yeah. Once, like, kind of one federation. And I don't know who the first one was that said they were going to make some changes. There's a few that already had it. I think USPC, which is a smaller offshoot mm-hmm. of USPA, I think they already had a 220 women's and 242 women's. Maybe yeah, I'm not sure. XPC made it, may have already had at least one of those as well. So some of them already had some of these things we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so yeah, I was and getting, it was, was interesting because they kind of came – well, they didn't come out of the woodwork. Like, mm-hmm. we're – we kind of felt bad in a sense because like I'm not keeping track of every federation, especially mm-hmm. the ones that I don't compete in and neither are the rest of the, the girls, the women on the, the project. So like we've been doing this for since we've existed and like we want well, to recognition be fair. for it. We're like that's so awesome. I'm so happy that you ha- have already had that. Like we appreciate your support and like, sure. Well, you know what I mean. So. In the case of USPC, that's been like a year. So I mean, if that yeah, it's not so. Not really. That's true. I mean, we're ta- and I'm not I'm not denigrating them. I'm just saying they're a small at this point small regional organization that's been in existence for right, maybe right. 18 months. So sure, the entirety of the existence is very short. So what I was getting mm-hmm. at before was talk talk me through or talk us through last week. You know, you have the first again. I'm not sure who the first organization was that mentioned that hey, we're either we're doing this or we've already been doing this. But then again, you just see like every day there's one, two, three, like all these different federations that are, you know, coming in in support of uh, the weight class changes and the, and the main event project. Talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what was going through your mind? I mean, Lee, you mentioned it. Uh, you were emotional. You know, you and I were texting a little bit last week. And um, I know I know definitely you, you were emotional then. Like uh, talk, talk us through that and what that was like to experience and, and if you can put that into words. Yeah. I mean, I think – you know, for all of us, like when, when the petition went out, you know, we're thinking, oh, we're just going to get a couple of signatures here and there, you know, like nickel and dime signatures. And then all of a sudden it's just like, we're getting more and more and more. And it's like realizing that like, this is 
like I know that this is something that I thought about since when I started powerlifting in 2016. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't there more weight classes for women? Um, and I guess, you know, to see that it's also been, we tapped into something that everyone else has been thinking about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I think the UPA was the first mm-hmm. and SPS was very close second. Okay. Um, Cause Shauna had been talking to us and she's like, I mean, she's like, I'm calling Jesse Rogers right now. <laughs> she like messaged me. I'm like, okay, Shauna. <laughs> yeah, Shauna. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and then, um, who was the third one on, on day one? Amber, well, you USPC and RPS expanded the entire way in yeah. addition to the yeah. 220 and 242 they already had, I believe. Yeah. Um, but I, I think just like seeing people just rally together, like I said, strength in numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, for a common cause, you know, men and women both. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's very, it's very, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, our goal is to just make the sport better. And I think that it was lacking in some places Mm -hmm. for women, um, with a couple of things, but I think this is a good first step in doing so. Yeah. As Um, of, as of the recording of this episode, which may not drop immediately, um, you've got over 3000 signatures. And I think the petition as of today is maybe a week old. Yeah, just under, I think. Yeah, like five days, so. Which all, (laughs) incredible. I mean, really, uh, to your point, Leah, the the strength of numbers is is huge. Um, So uh, uh, going back a little bit more in time, I remember all of you posting a screenshot of a Zoom call uh, between the four of you, those Allison, (laughs) Tara, uh, Amber stick figure, and uh, and Leah. And my stick figure. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can can you talk about, because I don't think that was the first, you know, conversation you all had but that one seemed to really like really spur a lot of movement and a lot of activity and action uh with the main event project can you talk a little bit about that and then uh, also i think it's important to talk about what is the ultimate mission of the main event project so i think that's really that's honestly really what we wanted to talk to you guys about i mean to think that the weight classes are one thing and it's important it's a it's a good first step like you said but i think there's a bigger mission i'd love for you two to talk about that yeah, there's there's definitely a bigger mission. This this just so happened to be our like first gigantic project, and it's a huge one <laughs> um, that fell in our laps. But the the overarching idea of main event project is basically promoting um, equality for women in strength sports and empowering, educating those women to like pick and choose meets that are going to be a supportive and good environment for them. We also want to fundraise to put money towards prize pots for female lifters. Mm -hmm. Um, We also want to use fundraising to do some sort of scholarship or sponsorship for for women, especially women who are new to the sport or want to get into the sport. So we want to kind of like tear down some of those barriers to entry that Mm -hmm. may have been there. Um, And also educating, like one of the things that all four of us talked about is how many DMs each of us get individually from just random like strangers on the internet, women who want to get into powerlifting that follow us that might not know how or like mm-hmm. want to do their first meet. And like, we give a lot of advice out and we're like, we should try and make this wider spread or like, work that. with meet yeah. directors and make sure that they're up to standards 
Yeah. That we can give good advice out and point them in the right direction to where that they're going to have a good time in the sport so that they stick around in the sport. Definitely. Uh, So maybe talk about, give me like your top three, maybe top five gripes. You know, bitch a little bit. That's fine. <laughs> tell us, tell us what's. I mean, hey, I'm a meat director, and I'm. I would never pretend to run perfect meats. So tell me what your experience have been that has kind of spurred this on. What are the top three, top five things that you, you two, mm-hmm. and you four think are inequities or uh, non-support of female powerlifting? Oh, you're already trying to get us in trouble here. No, I don't, I don't need <laughs> No. First of all, no, I'll defend I'm, y'all to the I'm death because that's how we get down. It. And second, no, we, um, people need to hear this. Yeah, it's important. That's why we did it because it's an issue. Damn right. And it, honestly, to be fair, like there are so many good meets and meet directors and federations yeah. out there that yeah. are for the lifter, yeah. that are fighting hard, that are doing a lot of these things that we're already asking them to do. Mm-hmm. Um we're just trying to like make it more standardized and make it so that this is what everyone will experience. I hate hearing uh, a female lifter or someone that I've am coaching now um, or didn't coach before and now coach. And they're like, I had this terrible experience at this meet, like Mm -hmm. um, prizes, prize money was different for the females or placement was different or like, um, like I just didn't feel like they kept all of us in our own flight. And even though a lot of us lifted the same amount as the guys, like we were very secluded, mm-hmm. things like that are, are the things. And no. also like highlighting and like spotlighting female lifters because okay. the women are kicking ass right now. Uh, the ladies <laughs> um, on the Ellen show. Are you kidding? Like I'm not a big Ellen fan, but that's still fucking dope. I know that is huge, yes. huge for yes. the sport, huge for her freaking huge for women female athletes period like that's incredible yeah yeah absolutely so you know i think um go ahead no go ahead leah oh i was just thinking you know like you kind of you said you wanted us to bitch a little bit and like i can i (laughs) i'm here for it (laughs) let's go let's go you know um i think eric and i emailed you you know one of the emails i sent out to you is about allowing like, you know, even equal opportunities for spotters. And I even had an instance myself where I was, you know, I, I'm always spotting. Like I even, I'll even spot at our meets at sweatshop. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no, I was, I'm not afraid to spot heavy squats. You know, I do it Same. all the time in the gym. Um, it's not a big dis- issue for me, but I was at a meet um, helping and someone's like, hey, you know, can you spot? And I said, absolutely. And the side judge, he came up to me and he goes, I would rather him spot. It's just, it's just weird having a you know, spotting these people oh, spot. Is it weird? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, weird. Did, did he ask you to smile more afterwards too? Or? <laughs> what an ass hat. Tell you, I, I definitely... <laughs> I had to take a breather. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, okay. Oh man. I let the guy who, you know, and I knew the guy who I was, you know, spotting for. He he squats like 500 pounds. Like, so I'm like, all right, like, hey man, do you want them to spot instead of me? Okay. So like, and I know little things. Yeah. The little things. Um, and I, there are instances where. You know, and I think Allison has 
come across it more so than I have. Every meet that I've done has been awesome. Yeah, but um, she gave yeah. us an example of a bench only or a, a, a full power meet where the prize, there were two prize pots, and one was for middleweight and heavyweight men, and the other was for lightweight men and women. So I'm like, why Ouch. would women be competing against men for this prize? It just doesn't make sense. Um, so, I mean, there's some, some little things like that. Like, we, you know, Amber said she wants to make it more uniform. And I've had people reach out to me talking about how, you know, there was only five girls, so they didn't give a best lifter for the girls. Hmm. At some, you know, just like, just like giving them a shout-out or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Just stuff like that. And, and but, but it, it's tough to hear. And it's tough mm-hmm. that, you know, people people have to go through those experiences, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I when think, you emailed yeah. me, Leah, there okay. was a couple of things I think you, you highlighted. One was uh, equal prize money. One was best lift rewards. Because I, I, I've never seen this at any of our meets, but I've heard of meets that don't have even a best lifter at all for females. Um, yeah. I think uh, there was a couple yeah. of things that you talked about, you know, like you said, highlighting female lifters at, at bigger meets. Um, uh, let, let me talk just briefly on the one that you've both mentioned was flight selection. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you, and I, I'm not saying you're wrong because, you know, there are different ways to split up flights. Um, mm-hmm. typically you would put all females in one flight because it's power lifters tend to be dumb. Maybe not female power lifters as much male power lifters tend to be dumb. So I try to make yes, things, I try to make things as simple as possible. <laughs> And saying all men in one flight, all women in another flight is a very easy split. And I do mm-hmm. think there are probably instances where it makes sense to put females in a different flight, especially if they're equipped mm-hmm. or lifting big weights. But you do have to consider the, the aspect of you do need lifters that compete against each other generally to be in the same flight. Now, that, that there still could be some split there because, hey the equipped females aren't competing against the raw females Correct. if they're in the same meet. Yeah. Um, so you certainly could split it up mm-hmm. that way. But from a logistical meet director standpoint, that's probably why that's been the standard. Yeah, that makes total sense too. And we absolutely, like, I don't think any of us, actually I think Tara might have been a meet director before. Um, but there's a lot of things that we see and that we don't get to see from meet director's perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think it, that's one of the reasons that it's so important to say, okay, here's some of the issues we have, like start the dialogue. Cause if we don't have these discussions with the meet directors then we might not have ever really taken that part into consideration. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and, from, and it's good to have, have these for sure. It makes total sense. And sometimes, yeah. Meet directors, I'll be honest with you, we just do things because that's the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not mm-hmm. to say it's necessarily right. For instance, my wife, Jackie, who's a big advocate for female powerlifting, yes. she yelled at me. <laughs> I wouldn't say she yelled at me. She scolded me because I, <laughs> I almost always put the females on Fridays um, when we do multi-day meets. And she's like, why the hell do I always have to lift on Friday? That's bullshit. Why do I have to take off work to lift on Friday? <laughs> And so you know what? This it's last a good day, point, Jackie. She's got to weigh in on Thursday. They got to yeah, take right. work off. Yep. Like, get it. So I put the female. And you know oh. what? From a business perspective, it was probably better to put the females on Sunday mm-hmm. because I will say this: females generally have more spectators than than males. Like males bring like their dudes that like you know yeah. slap them and wrap them, but that's about it. Yep. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the ladies typically bring fans, um, which is good. 
And I think lately, I mean, in the all women meet that I have at least watched or been a part of, like, like women's days are way cooler <laughs> than men's I might be biased, but the atmosphere and the energy is just way, I think, more impressive. I mean, I'm not trying to like dog the guys, but. Um, we'll, we'll see. I've, I mean, I've been on a I few of those platforms, Leah. So I, I can I can speak to that. I mean, I will tell you that the women's prime is probably in the top three meets I've ever worked. It's definitely a unique environment. Oh, my gosh. Definitely. Like, you, it, mm-hmm. Trying to describe that is almost impossible. Yeah. The yeah. second day of the showdown was insane for the women. Yeah, the, the stream I watched was crazy. Laura said the WPO women's day was electric. Like, the energy yes. was mm-hmm. just, among all the lifters, was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will um, say from my data that generally speaking, women and teenagers have the most spectators. Teenagers make sense because they got to bring mom, dad, and yeah, grandma, grandma, grandpa. grandma, grandpa <laughs> like to come watch. But between males and females, uh, almost without, uh, I could probably dig into the data on this. I would say it's probably reasonably thirty percent more spectators on a female-dominated day of lifting versus Agreed. a men-dominated day of lifting. Agreed. Yeah. So, Eric, yes. this brings me to when we were talking about flights, um, you know, and you were talking about from a meat director standpoint, um, I was I was thinking of, like, whatever you do it by order, by, like, openers, um, instead of splitting it up, I was like, it's also kind of easier on the spotters, right? Is it not like the spotters and loaders? Like, they don't have to, like, load up. Eh, f- fuck those guys. Up. Who cares about them? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes. And what, I'll, t- I'll, I'll describe the process of how I try to split up flights. I try to put individuals that are in the same categories together. So I'll try to put raw together. I'll try to put classic raw together. I'll try to put equipped together. From the perspective of judges, it's easier for them to know who can wear what. Mm-hmm. And usually those lifters, mm-hmm. uh, and then split via weight class if need be, usually that adds up to, as you described it, weights that are similar. The problem with doing it purely by openers is that then you might have lifters that are competing against each other in different flights. Yep. Um, so you do have to take that into consideration that people that compete against each other, mm-hmm. even theoretically, if they're not that close to each other, like unless you have like, you know, a big meet where there's 30 in one class and you have to split it up. Generally speaking, people mm-hmm. that compete against each other, it's ideal to maybe even a rule that they have to be in the same flight. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but again, I mean, does it make sense to put equipped females with the equipped males? Definitely, because I've been the only equipped lifter in a in a flight of mostly raw, lightweight men, and that mm-hmm. sucked. So, yeah, how close were you to bombing out if you didn't bomb out? Ah, uh, yeah, it was no good, very bad, <laughs> <laughs> very terrible. Worst. So I, I've tried to do that with females at our summer bash. We had both raw and equipped, and I had maybe. I don't know, three or four equipped females. And I put them with the equipped men because to me that made more sense than yep. putting them just with the women. Definitely. Yeah. Agreed. So I always ma- think it's really cool to go to meets and see women in the flights with the men mm-hmm. because it just really shows like what they're doing and what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like, see, like find that very impressive. Um, to see it kind of like intermingled in there. Like I love, I love being in men's flights. <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. I, mean, I always look I'll, at like because yeah, you out squat the them all, Leo. Flight. We get it. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, jeez. I know. I love the chirp. I love the chirp to them too. You know, <laughs> like, we're, uh, 
a little Leah, a little shit talk sometimes. Leah Reichman talking shit. <laughs> no, no. Got to. I mean, why not? Um, so, Leah, talk yeah. about that. You you have reached out to me. I assume you've reached out to other meat directors to talk about some of these issues. And wh- what would you see as your vision of what the main event project can do with meats? Um. Wow. I mean, we kind of talked about it with the the flights. Um, you know, being more inclusive. I think, of course, like, and I'm not saying all women want to spot a meat. And that's, I mean, I get that, but I think, you know, allowing more women to spot, um, or use them as, you know, if they were, if that's what they want to do, um, most of uh, my team do not, (laughs) I said, most of my team do not (laughs) No, I will say, I I always include females in our, in our meets because they do want to help. I Mm -hmm. include them as judges, table help announcers, Mm -hmm. Yep. I'll have to say, I, I don't have many females that want to spot and load. That's not to say I wouldn't use them. In fact, <laughs> we talked about it over email. I, uh, yeah. It's because you got some asshole on the platform who just takes yeah. all the spotlights. So. I mean, my wife, Jackie, um, <laughs> with my help, we run an all-women's meet where we staff it totally mm-hmm. with women. Women spotter loaders, judges, announcers, uh, you know, all table female, staff. everything. Yeah, everything except for Eric Stone, who's there just, you know, taking out the trash. Like, yep. that's it. Uh, so we do support that. I just know that that's not maybe the preferred job of many females. It's not the preferred job of many people in general, actually, other than Robert Bain and maybe Tina. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't like spotting and loading stuff. That's why you, get se- that's so why you take center and then you don't have to worry about it. Everybody else yeah. gets to load. <laughs> They're yelling. Shit. It's true. Bain's secret. Yeah. But I would definitely, I would definitely do it if, you know, yeah. um, I mean, I do do it um, at our meets here at Sweatshop, but um, Amber, what are a couple of other things I think that we listed? I'm kind of drawing a blank. So I think that we have a hard time quantifying these things because it's it's kind of the intangibles. And we we talked about different experiences, like what you had when you went to go spot with that judge, (laughs) like little things like that. We want, it's like an ideology shift and like culture change. We're already on our way and there are incredible meat, meat directors, federations already doing a lot of this stuff, Mm -hmm. but we want to figure out where it's not happening Sure. and then make that the standard. Mm -hmm. So I think with getting like this outreach and between the four of us or amongst the four of us, we have ties to a lot of different federations, raw, equipped, everything. And we kind of have like eyes and ears everywhere. It's kind of weird. Um, Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And like personal accounts of like, oh, this happened to me out of me, uh, or like I didn't like sometimes it's just a like they don't pass a freaking vibe check and that's a thing. Yep. That, that totally <laughs> um, a thing. And we want to we want to figure out where those pockets are and then we want to try and elevate them to the level that these meets are at that we like to do, that mm-hmm. we like to recommend. Yep. And that's that's kind of so the ideology behind it, big picture. Would you say that maybe a twofold way you're trying to do that is a uh, advocacy through social media and elsewhere, and then maybe B mm-hmm. dialogue with those officials trying to bring some of those issues that we've talked about to the forefront? Because again, I, I think sometimes maybe just as a meat director, you just do things because you've always done it that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you yeah. maybe even never thought of like, oh, maybe the females don't want to lift on Friday. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, as the more 
meet directors and information we accumulate, the more that I will start to like, I mean, it's very similar to the email that I sent you, Eric, um, just start reaching out to people, maybe creating an open conversation, um, you know, just to like, just how do we make it better? Um, sure. And stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and for um, those and who are hoping, maybe, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, and, you know, by being one of those meet directors, I mean, we can promote that towards women, hopefully on social media, like, as you said, um, for them to be able to go and be, to participate in those types of meets that are a little bit more quote unquote, female friendly. Yeah. Um, Cause I think that it's, along the lines, Oh, sorry. I was saying, it sounds like really the, one of the goals is not just to get ladies into their first powerlift to meet, but to make sure they're there for their 10th and have those great experiences no matter, mm-hmm. no matter where they are. Absolutely. So, uh, paraphrasing it. Yeah, I, I, and one of, one of the ways, uh, I think our most recent post that we've, we're dropping the shirts, but one of the things we're doing with that shirt money and those profits is mm-hmm. we're going to sponsor and like purchase a spot on Amateur Day at the Pro-Am. That's we awesome. all know the pro yeah. freaking rules. Um, yeah. It's amazing for a woman. Like, if that's your first meet or, like, you've been lifting for a while, like, no matter what number meet it is, you can get into that. Like, that is a great example of what a meet should feel like for you. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be all women, but even, you know, co-ed meets, it should still feel like that. It should still be that supportive. It should still be that, like, spotlighty, like, exciting prize money. The program passes the vibe check. That's what we want to do. We want to create those experiences for women so that they can go and like say, okay, this is a standard. This is what I am worthy of or what like is supposed to happen for me in the sport. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. I, I do think one issue that probably like brings us backwards or holds some of these issues back is that powerlifting meets and powerlifting organizations are generally run by old dudes. Yep. Like, I mean, Positions of power, <laughs> positions of power yeah. are D- mostly old white dudes. Fuckers. Yeah, I mean, positions of power are mostly taken by old men. The government. <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of someone's employer, <laughs> sorry, I had to. I knew Bane would like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, please comply. It's for your own good. <laughs> I mean, but I, I think one thing that perhaps could add on to some of the other things you're talking about is encouraging females to get involved with the sport because 100%. certainly one way to uh, garner change is like Laura Phelps, who became a meet director, who's become a judge, mm-hmm. is yep. get involved. I mean, I can tell you as somebody yep. who's probably the only person under the age of 50 on the APF executive committee, like, it's just, a, I mean, Amy Jackson's on there as well. She's the secretary. But in general, it's a lot of, like, old dudes that have just been around the sport a long time. And that's not to say they have malintent or that they don't have good intentions, but that just generally tends to be those that get involved in the other side of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've been lucky here in Chicago. Uh, one of my mentors when I first started running meets was Maris Sternberg, who is a, a pioneer in women's powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Yep. She announced at my first meet. She helped me run a lot of my meets. Ernie Franz had always encouraged her to be a part of it. Um, and that's what I've always done as well. But I don't know that that's necessarily the standard elsewhere. Yeah, totally agree. And that's another, like, I'm glad you brought that up because, Leah, we can add that to our list of, like, things mm-hmm. to encourage or, like, highlight women in leadership positions within these different federations. I know yep. USPA has um, a handful of, like, female meet directors and also meet directors, people on the executive committee, so that's good. Um, just, like, making it known, like, these all-female meets are really cool because they're run by women. 
like the second day of the showdown, all women, they pulled in two female announcers, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Was you don't see yeah. that a whole lot. Like also female lifters that can, they know a lot more about the, the lifters on the platform because that's like also their competition. So it's mm-hmm. right. good perspective. They follow, they follow women powerlifting. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know that it's something where, like, hey, we should tell all organizations to to make a quota of females. It's more no. like, hey, let's <laughs> encourage females to get involved and organically mm-hmm. be involved. And like you said, be meet directors, be judges. That's, I mean, that's at the grassroots level, that's how you get involved in the sport. You, you help run meets. Yeah. You help judge meets. You help announce Put a meets. polo on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kaggy Goon Squad, gross. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think Main Event Project would love to host their own meet at some point. That'd be sick. Sure would. That'd be sick. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I mean, not um, to not to toot my wife's own horn, but I will anyways. Um, because she's my wife. It's, it's okay. You can I mean, she's been Jackie's involved in the dope. sport. Yeah, long, we love Jackie. Yeah, she's been involved in the sport longer than just about anybody other than myself, at least in our gym, um, and. I think through our meets that we've run, that has been an all-female meet, I think we've certified probably maybe a half dozen new female judges yep. because we had the goal of all-female judges at meets. And you look around, and you're like, wow, there's really – there's not that many. We've got – you know, at the time, we had mm-hmm. Jennifer Gemmel, we had Jackie Stone, we had Alex on our team. But it's I don't like Stacy wasn't even certified. Was I don't she? think she was at, the, at that yeah. point. Maybe she had just gotten certified, but it's like, hey, if we want to do this – we have to go out and find yep. qualified females to get a part of it. Yep, definitely. Yep. So definitely. Th- thinking about this, so for, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not a, a meat director and hunt that. And so for uh, generally the civilians and the, the lay people out there that want to support this, what else can, can we do? What would you like to see from, from the guys that are around the sport, you know, uh, from a support perspective? And what can anybody else do to support the main event project? I mean, I think men, particularly, I know in some instances like this, men are afraid to really um, step up and support. Sure. Um, I think that they're afraid of, you know, what some people, like their peers may think, Mm -hmm. um, or if they would be considered feminist or something like that. Um, We're we're (laughs) simping for the female lifters. I'm sorry. Uh, the, I no, think just, just the, it's, a, it's a terrible joke. Terrible joke. Sim, simbing for all the ignore people. Ignore that. <laughs> ignore Bane. Yeah. Oh. Can't ignore me. Ignore motherfucking Bane. You can't do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like really just advocating for women, you know, to have the same opportunities as mm-hmm. the men um, in powerlifting and, you know, going through the signatures on that um, uh, or the petition. It was just like, wow, like there's a lot of guys on there. Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome. It's um, awesome to see that. Definitely. It was yeah, definitely. Um, you know, advocating for women to have the same opportunities as the men is not feminist, it's just the right thing to do. How to not be a shitty human one oh one. Just being a good person. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. you know, buy a shirt, donate. <laughs> Yeah, Let's call, call it what it is. <laughs> making meats better and experiences better. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Awesome. Um, Anything else that you two want to share just about the project, about what's going on, about maybe some future plans? Uh, again, I don't, I don't want to cut us off or anything, but I know this is this is super exciting, and really, it's just it's very, very new. So I know very you're kind new, of developing very baby steps so far, but really would love to hear like what's uh, 
what's coming down the pipe and what, what else you, you two are excited about. Yeah, well, we do have um, the T-shirt that we're going to drop, you know, tomorrow. Um, Got my pre-order. Like we said, the first. Yep. Thank so, you. Um, yay. yay. North of the border pickup. Damn right. <laughs> um, um, you know, to sponsor a, a female or a woman competitor, an amateur competitor mm-hmm. for pro or the women's pro-am. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then hopefully, you know, some prize, it, you know, prize money or prize pots come in, come into play. Like that would be amazing. Um, but just really, I think, um, hopefully we can continue to fundraise. I know that we talked about the, um, a scholarship opportunity. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, working with Jimmy and Kate Kolb. So mm-hmm. they have the Kolb strong scholarship Yep. and, we're kind of, we want to try and sponsor at least one or two female lifters. Um, Cause like another piece of this is we said the education process mm-hmm. of, you know, letting people know what we're all about and what we want to happen, but then also making it better for our replacements and our replacements, replacements and so on and so forth down the line. Mm-hmm. So sponsoring like a new lifter, a junior lifter with this project is really important to me and also really cool because the Colt Strong Scholarship already exists. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something that if we raise enough money to sponsor a lifter for a year, then we can basically, like, that's could be part of our overall agenda. Um, so that's, that's a cool project coming on down the line. I think January timeframe, looking okay. at. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Put, put, putting it out there. Okay. Uh Maybe talk a little bit about you two. What's going on in your training? What uh, where are the two of you at? Uh, Leah, what you got going on with your training? Next meet? Anything unique going on uh-huh. with you? I mean, since we last talked, you, I believe, set all the set, all-time world set, records. Set and reset. Uh, and then second. Uh, <laughs> all two, of uh, them. Yes. Like I said, leave some pounds um, for the rest of us. Well, Jesus. I'm thinking the pro-am. I need some downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, I need <laughs> My body's tired. Um, training's going well. Um I took some time off, honestly, after the meet in September. I didn't touch a barbell for a month. I just did, like, conditioning and bodybuilding-type work, mm-hmm. um, okay. which was really refreshing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Becca's best total, though, is 2050. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping maybe to try and put something together at the Pro-Am because I just did 2K. Um, in September, so we will see. Well, as long as Laura will have me, you will be <laughs> Let's safe. Go! I know it'll be it should be fun. I think we're going to the, like the 2022 Women's Program. I think is going to be a really good meet, especially you know I've had Tara Weber reach out to me, mm-hmm. Dina, um, a bunch of people like they want to do this meet. So I think it's going to mm-hmm. be a stacked roster which is going to make it a lot of fun. There oh, cannot confirm yet, but there may be a Bane on the roster on the amateur day. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yep. We'll, see, we'll see if she doesn't fuck it up <laughs> oh yet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there could be. I just got goosebumps. Yep. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about yeah. you, Amber? What's going on with your um, training? I'm doing I'm, – I'm off-season, right? Well, off-season kind of-ish. I'm prepping for a bench only. So I'm slapping a band shirt on. Oh, I'm gonna go, gonna go you, you just see Eric's that. face right now. What is it 7-Eleven now or 6-Eleven now? 6-Eleven, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm going to try and snag that. And then uh, that's been really fun. And then just a lot of bodybuilding and hypertrophy and stuff for the rest of the body. But since did, that's only didn't you just hit six, six plus to a two board I, in that shirt? What's that? Didn't you just hit like six plus to a two board in that shirt? 685 yeah. to a three, and then 650 to a two. <laughs> Damn, Leah. <laughs> I, was so excited. Wow, I love you so much. That was amazing. I'm just going to go cry about something else now. It. She's like, I know. Look <laughs> over. I already have that number in my head. I got you. I was so hyped when I saw that video. Oh my God. That, was, awesome. that was one of the first times I've been genuinely afraid of holding a barbell over my head. <laughs> Yeah, like is. actually scared. Yikes! But it's gonna be fun. And then awesome. I wasn't gonna do. I'm registered for the Ghost Clash in February, the WRPS Money Meet in mm -hmm. Miami. Yep. Um, I wasn't gonna do it, but now that they have a 220 class, there's some records up for grabs. Mm. So yep. make a make a good showing out there with the the bigger weight classes, and then of course the pro am. Gotta do that one. Didn't do it last year. Love that meet. And it's going to be huge. Huge, so. bigly, very large. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, uh, thank you both for taking the time to chat with Bane and I. Um, I appreciate the uh, – we, we appreciate the insight. Yeah, definitely. And the information on what you two are working on. Um, we're supporters. Um, obviously, we'll keep people posted. We, as in the APF WPC, will keep mm -hmm. posted the process for us. It should actually happen – Relatively soon, because we are the right time of year. Worlds is happening in a few weeks. Um, I think I, I, my feeling is that the the WPC will approve that. In my chatting with country heads, mm -hmm. then uh, I think the time is mm -hmm. the timing is finally right. And at least from our perspective, um, I think we dip our toe in the water with that and see where it goes. And then I would like to see a two forty two class additionally added. But uh, again, old old organizations so would we, take Eric. take <laughs> they take time to change. So would we well, baby stuff. We didn't talk yeah. about it, but maybe we should just spend two seconds. I don't know that mm -hmm. the IPF will ever add anything. I think the highest weight class in the IPF right now is 84 kilos, correct? 84 kilos, correct. Yep, correct. I don't see them and changing anytime soon. We were just like, well, we, we have all these federations in mind. And then I think Allison brought up the IPF and we're like, yeah, it's kind of a lost cause. <laughs> so we moved on. Well, maybe if you talk to Robert Keller, maybe he could work something out. <laughs> well, we might have to do that. Since, since, since he, if you haven't listened, we, we have this whole thing about he basically is like the powerlessness version of Emperor Palpatine, where he ran the USPF, it got kicked out, and the USAPL came into the IPF as a US affiliate, and now with the USAPL being suspended, he's got a new federation that's coming to the IPF. Mm. It's like a 40 Honestly, year plan. That, I forgot about that piece because yeah. they are suspended. They're not in the IPF, mm -hmm. correct? Anymore. The, US, the USAPL is so. not. Um, and actually, I would say in general, the USAPL is probably more of a lifter-friendly organization than the so. IPF. Um, in fact, they were mm -hmm. they had a they had a men's three nineteen class at one point mm -hmm. before they became the IPF affiliate. Um, it's interesting. interesting because they had the same weight class as us, and then which was one ninety eight the highest. And then when they reorganized the weight classes, they brought it down from ninety kilos to eighty four kilos. Uh, very odd to me. Huh. Interesting. I would yeah, love very, to very see the, how they like just been a fly on the wall in those discussions or like how they made those decisions and what it was based <laughs> off of. Cause when they did that open powerlifting wasn't a thing, correct? Nope. 
No, there was some data. I believe Wilkes mm-hmm. uh, was involved in that. Um, mm-hmm. And that actually sense. was the original formation of the Wilkes formula, from what I understand, is he came up with some data, and it was for weight class changes, and then they decided to adopt it as their coefficient formula. And then at some point, uh, for again, rumored innuendo was that they wanted to change all the weight classes to eliminate the old records, which were done under plausibly not drug-tested conditions. Not drug-free. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Very interesting. But you know what? Uh, I do have to say this has been – it's been incredible to watch the main event project take shape to, to this point. Uh, I, I know Eric will agree with me. We're, we're super supportive. We're super excited for – for the main event project, for the four of you, for everybody else that comes on board with it, I know you've got some really awesome partners that are helping uh, with it, with you know the mm-hmm, T-shirts yeah. and and promotion. Um, I know I'll continue to support it uh, and promote it everywhere I uh, I can. So uh, we thank you both for for everything you do for for female powerlifting, for powerlifting in general, and obviously for this project. It's super exciting, and we're just we're really stoked for it. Oh, thank you. I'm, it makes oh, me so happy sweet. to hear. And where can people? No, it's very sweet. We've been busting our asses on it. We're so tired. <laughs> We're so tired. <laughs> but it, but you're, you're doing an important work, and so it's uh, it's a good kind of tired, right? Yeah, it makes it all worth it. Like every, I think at least once a day, one of us chimes in in our group chat, and they're like, "We're just, I'm just so proud of you all, and this is so cool. Like, I got this message. Here's a screenshot. Doesn't this give you the good, warm, fuzzy feels? And then yeah. you're tired, but then you hear that stuff, and you're like, "This is worth it." Like. We're we're making history here, and it's for the better. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Where can people Absolutely. find out more information about the main event project? Uh, Instagram, the main event project, so um, is our handle. Okay. We also have a Facebook. Okay. Okay. So it's at uh, the main event project on Instagram, and is it just the main event pro- uh, project on Facebook? Yes. Yes. Okay. It is. Perfect. Okay. Yes. Awesome. I just checked. I needed to double check. <laughs> I had to look real quick. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we, soon we'll plug our our t-shirt link. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, as soon as I have it, I'll uh, I'll get a picture and uh, of me wearing it, and we'll we'll sure get out into the, the yes. In the blue elbow sleeves. No, those have been retired. The, the, the black <laughs> ones will will be on, but the the blue ones have been retired. Eleven o two zero to squat, and they're oh, yeah. they're done. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Frame them. <laughs> They're, they 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 are in a shadow box at the house. Uh, it'll eventually be hung yes. up. I got a whole bunch of, I, I got a whole bunch of silly shit from legendary. Yeah, those those blue bubble sleeves definitely saw a lot of a lot of lifts. <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much, ladies. Uh, we hope to hear from you both again soon. If you'd ever like to come on again and talk about another project related to the main event project, yeah. you got an open invitation. You will need some time to have some people throw some questions at you and talk about, or if you want to bitch more, cause we didn't get as much bitching as I was hoping for, <laughs> which is fine. That's fine. You're both, you're both very nice and polite and uh, very professional. Yes. Um, if you want to bitch more, we're happy to do that. Cool. Well, open invite. We will bitch. let you know. Yes. We will let you know you what? Know. We'll just we're all we're all going to be in Cincinnati in a couple of weeks, so we can just all get a couple of drinks of us and then start. Oh yeah, I'm sure the bitching would come out. That. <laughs> oh, absolutely that would be hilarious. I, we should definitely plan for that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm planning to have some fun Find in Cincinnati, so let's let's see what happens. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, Mr. Bain, there was Leah and Amber. Always so much fun to talk to them. I love those two. Um, apologies if uh, Leah is a little challenging to hear. Um, her phone connection probably wasn't 
the most ideal. I think Amber had like a headset on and they were on one phone. There's probably a better technological way where we could have them in separate inputs and then I could have adjusted the volume solely on Leah. It's true. Um, but hopefully you were able to hear everything she had to say because I think she had some good things to say, mm -hmm. um, as did Amber. They both um, yep. Reaction from the interview, Mr. Bain. I mean, I'm, I'm stoked about this. I mean, to be fair, like, I was excited about the main event project simply because, like, these are my friends. I'm familiar with and, and I would consider friends with all four of these ladies. I know Allison probably the least of all of them, but I've met her and trained with her at uh, Bob Merck's gym. Uh, I've known, you know, Tara for well over a year. I've known Lee and Amber for a couple of years. So uh, I really look to them all as this really exciting generation of, you know, female lifter. And there's a, there's a ton of uh, women out there. And so I was just stoked for that. And then as I watched this start to gain traction across the powerlifting landscape, it was just fucking sick to see my friends winning. And so I loved that. But then you look at the concept and what they're trying to do, it's really exciting. Like these are things that have needed to happen as far as from an exposure perspective. I like that they took the step of, okay, let's start with the weight classes. And then, you know, as that goes, then we can, you know, I don't say take credit, but like there's a mark immediately from the organization that they've put together. And then they're going to start trying to make a difference around women's strength sports. And it's just so fucking cool. Yeah. And, and I don't want to mansplain, but I, it's what I am. Yeah, but I think, you know, this is such a new thing for both of them. Um, I think, I don't know that I'm going to say they had difficulty fully articulating what they're trying to do, but, like, I, I don't think it, the vision is fully developed yet. So what I heard... It's, I'm just, it's evolving for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely evolving, uh, undoubtedly. But I'm just going to, like, for me, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong on any of these, Mr. Bain, here, I'm going to summarize what I heard and what I've seen. Mm -hmm. And that I see what, what they said is that they have about three goals... One is advocacy for equality in men's and women's powerlifting. Yep. Um, and as a sub-goal in that, weight classes being an example, having equality in weight classes, um, having equal prize money and best lifter awards at meets, mm -hmm. so equal consideration of the rewards for men and women, mm -hmm. some consideration on how to best feature women in meets, like the example of how to structure flights, um, and I do think maybe I shed some light to the, to the two of them on, like, some of the logistics of that. And not that those are total stumbling blocks, but there are some considerations that you do have to think about just from a competition logistical standpoint. Yeah. Um, so advocacy, I think, is number one. Um, number two is outreach and education, f both through social media to the masses and uh, directly to officials mm -hmm. and meet directors that are part of powerlifting organizations. Yeah. Um, before this became a social media thing, I got an email from Leah Reichman saying, hey, you've been identified as a meet director that um, we feel supports women's powerlifting and that we hope will you continue to. And here's, you know, as we're talking about four, five, six things that we think are issues that face women's powerlifting that we would like you to think about or if you're already doing, continue to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's another important piece, and I think they can use all four of their social media reach and presence to um, both educate and, uh, you know, reach out to officials and meet directors that, as I said in an interview, sometimes we, meet directors, just do things because that's the way we've always done them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you maybe just need a different perspective. Now, in the case of Eric Stone, 
I often have Jackie Stone, who is a female, in my ear. It's true. A female lifter, no less. Yeah. And certainly giving me her perspective very strongly often. Jackie? No. <laughs> no. I don't see that. And then the third is financially supporting women's powerlifting. Yep. And they've talked about having, um, you know, sponsoring lifters, sponsoring lifters' entries for meets, mm-hmm. um, possible prize money for women's meets. I don't know that they've fully, you know, developed exactly what they want to do there. But I think, you know, they want to raise money not because they just want to make money. I think they no, want to raise it's, money. It's, it's to put back into the sport. Exactly. They want to raise money so that they can use it towards uh, the former goals. Yeah. Towards, uh, you know, don't just talk about it, but actually put your money where yeah. your mouth is. Be, be and about it. Say, hey, if we think that there should be prize money for women's powerlifting meets, it would behoove us to financially support that goal. Agreed. Which I think is excellent. Um, couldn't agree more with uh, that direction. Um, and I think one thing maybe I brought to them that I think is uh, another goal, which I think fits into all that, is promoting more women getting involved with the back end of the sport. And, yep. and not that women aren't involved, certainly. Um, but I think when you get up into the higher-ups into organizations, um, it is primarily men. Um, I mean, even – I actually think all organizations in general are – from what I have seen, I don't know all organizations. Yep. The organizations I have seen, USPA, USAPL, APF, I would say there's a fairly good representation of women referees. I would say I would agree with that. I would say in general, powerlifting is probably has been ahead of the curve because there's been female referees in men's powerlifting meets as long as I've been around. Mm-hmm. Mary Sternberg was the head referee at many, many meets going back even before I got into sport. Right. Um, so I think that's something that has probably always been at least encouraged in powerlifting. It certainly could be more. And and definitely should continue. And and to your point, there should be more, and there should be a a lot of highlights of those women that are, you know, because here's the thing, there's ways to support. You can support financially, you can support morally, and you can support by making sure that there's great events that that are open, and I don't want to say a safe place, but a place where women can go and enjoy the full strength experience uh yeah i mean i think meat directing is another way that probably women haven't been as involved yeah um i mean there certainly are female meat directors laura phelps yeah. being one of the best i well, mean and not one of the best female meat directors but just one, one of, of the best meat, meat directors yeah, exactly um and then you know perhaps getting involved in more of the administrative higher up and in powerlifting organizations because ultimately those are the people that actually make decisions on things yep. um and i think if they as an organization can continue to promote on that end that certainly will help as well um i know that we've we talked about our our women's empowerment meet that we've run here at 2xl Mm -hmm. that jackie stone has run and i've supported um we have certified a number of female referees specifically because the concept of that meet was to have an all-female staff and to have an all-female staff you have to have female referees you have to have female announcers you have to have female uh table staff you have to have female spotter loaders so we have gotten more women involved as a result of that meet and i think a concept like that um is helpful because it it perhaps provides that opportunity where it wouldn't be otherwise i mean i'm always putting together staff for meets because we have a lot of meets yeah and i mean is that stressful to run all those meets (laughs) uh there's some stress certainly yeah uh but i would say i mean a a lot of my referee pool is old men because they're the ones that they've been around for a while they've been around for a while and they continue to support and they're available to help at meets i mean I, i would say and my i know my wife jackie sometimes 
will disagree with me on this, but I, I think the reality is that maybe just from the perspective of men do things that they've always done, there's probably more men that stay in the sport for a long, long time and stick around and be referees than there are women. And that's, that's not true across the board. I would saying, say men are more, and this is not a knock on any of those guy referees, men also hang on to their glory days a lot longer. Uh, yes, that might be part of it, certainly. Um, and, you know, there's some men that just, like, they can't compete anymore, mm-hmm. and they want to stay involved. I mean, Bob Kelly's one who I think maybe when he gets his uh, – he got his knees replaced. He's got to get his shoulders replaced. Yeah. He said he wants to do another meet again, but in the meantime, for the last 10, 15 years – He's continued to stay involved in the sport, even though he can't compete. Right. And I'm not going to say that women don't do that, but I think it, they might be more along the line of when they're done competing in the sport, they might be more likely to move on to something else. Yep. Um, so I would just say that's another thing that they could think about is continue to encourage um, you know, females to get involved on the back end of the sport. I, you know, I, I said this in the interview, and I'll, I'm going to reiterate it again. I think that we in the APF and we in Chicago – are lucky that we had Ernie Franz, who was always somebody that encouraged females to get involved in that aspect of the sport. Yep. His secretary from the start of the APF was Maris Sternberg, who is my coach, who was, again, the technical officer at many APF nationals and WPC world meets. At my first meet... She's she, judge, great listener in her own right. I mean, she was the legend. announcer. She was legend. the announcer at my first meet. Um, she's the one that taught Jackie Stone how to announce because Jackie said she didn't want to referee. She'd rather announce. And so Maris went and refed at a meet, and Jackie ended up announcing. Um, so I, I think in Chicago, Illinois, we have been uh, – I don't know what the word I could – We've been blessed. Yeah, we've been blessed because we've had females involved. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> you know, I think Ernie encouraged that. I've tried to continue to encourage that as well in our meets. Um, the APF has, I checked, we have three women on the executive committee of about maybe nine or 10. Um, we've got Amy Jackson, we've got Liz Nathuda mm-hmm. from Texas, and we've got Linda Higgins from Idaho that mm-hmm. are all um, involved in the executive committee. And, you know, Liz and, uh, Liz and Linda have been involved for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Amy's the, the administrator of the APF and obviously been involved for a very long time as well. Um, as, as far as I know, I know that the WPC, at the very least, has two women country heads, Emma Yatelto-James from uh, the UK and Andrea Stearns from Australia, both of which are very big organizations in the WPC. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly there, there could continue to be more um, on that. Um, do you, you agree with my, my summarization of, of what those yes. goals are? A- excellent mansplaining. Very well done. <laughs> Good. Uh, you know, you know, when it, when it comes to the weight class issue itself, which is kind of the the impetus maybe for, you know, getting them on, I, you know, if I had a critique and I don't want to, I don't really want to critique because I like what they're doing. I support them. If I had a critique though, when we asked them, they weren't really sure. And maybe they just want to see where their data brings them and want to see what organizations want to do. But when they put out their petition, some organizations like, that have one person that leads it, like immediately said, we're just going to add all the weight classes for women. Yep. And it's like, okay, are we going to have more women's weight classes than men's? Are we going to get rid of the two lightest weight classes for women? I'm not sure I agree with that. And if, at the end, if that's where like, – I'm always a person that believes things should be market-driven. If that's where the market takes it, I'm fine with that. I think what probably makes more sense is to add a women's 220 – and a women's 242 class, that makes the weight class numbers, 
like number of weight classes mm-hmm. equal between men and women. I, I'm just not sure that there's the need or uh, the lifters for above a 242. I have not seen the data, so I could not say either way. But I, what I am excited about is expanding the weight classes at the very minimum to match the number of men's weight classes. Just have, have that. Yeah, I just like that even. Uh, and giving that ability to uh, splice out those those 220, those 242 lifters and, and uh, create that uh, additional layer of competition, which I'm very, very excited about. Yeah, uh, I mean, and... This is obviously an issue we talked about that I have been promoting for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I don't think a 200-pound female should be in the heaviest weight class. And to be fair to the WPC, as, uh, as a result of Maris Sternberg writing the rule book, we have always labeled the heaviest weight class in women unlimited. Yes. Which, as Maris said, just sounds better than super heavyweight. Yes. Um, and I think she was probably even an advocate of this as well. But I, I think back in those days, there probably wasn't the need, and now there is. Um, now, uh, after recording the interview, um, I have talked with Amy Jackson, the APF WPC administrator. Um, I believe the vote will be on both 220 both? and 242, both of which I'm in favor. I originally put forward just the 220 because I was hoping more so to get something passed and not get a long, you know, a bigger uh, change in the rules lost get, in the get, shuffle. Get a, yes, get, get a bite instead of the whole meal. Correct, but I think what Amy's going to do is have them as separate votes so that Fantastic. we don't lose the 220 if people don't want to do the 242 as well. Perfect. I, I think it's plausible both will get passed, but it's also plausible just because of some of the other countries are somewhat resistant to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 220 is very, very likely to get passed. Um, Amy actually was a proponent of, of doing both for the same reason because she agreed that the number of weight classes would then be even. Right. So. Um, so, you know, I, we said we both know uh, Tara Duncan from Florida, correct? Yep. yep. Um, you said you're a little bit familiar. Um, I'm not as familiar with Allison. How do you say her last name? Hind. Hind. Okay. Um, those are the four individuals involved with the main event project. Mm-hmm. But Allison, I mean, I, I looked her up, and, I mean, looks like she's a five-time world record holder. Yep. Um, I think she would also be someone interesting to interview to get I mean, they her. both would. Uh, certainly. She yeah. would be certainly be someone to be interested to interview just because I don't know her. And, yes, I think Tara would be interesting I mean, t- as well. Tara, WPO competitor. I mean, she help, and, helps with me. She does a lot of, a lot of great stuff for the sure. sport. Sure. And she has also uh, competed raw and equipped, so yeah. got an interesting perspective. I think she competed raw for quite a while and mm-hmm. just relatively recently, 12 to 18 months, has switched over to equipped. Yes. So anything else to add as a reaction to the interview, Mr. Bain? Uh, you know, I already mentioned it. Just very, very excited for this and to see where it goes. Also, I did pick up uh, my main event T-shirts, uh, or I ordered them. I'll be picking them up at the north of the border. Uh, very excited to rock those uh, and show support for my friends and for this really, really awesome movement. Yeah, I mean, you can buy T-shirts. Um, you can also just direct donate directly to their organization. Yep. Um, so next week and beyond, Mr. Bain, mm-hmm. Um we're going to work on some more interviews. Um, almost done with the book. It is, fuck, it takes so long to get through it. I've got a, yeah, I mentioned before, we've got a new ebook from Pete Arroyo, mm-hmm. uh, Kanju Pit. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe a different perspective on Conjugate. Um, yeah, uh, I think we've got an, another interview lined up that is going to be less than a traditional interview. I think we're going to go into another topic, which uh, at least I have some fairly strong feelings about. Okay. Um, that we have coming up. I'll, I'll just a little teaser there. Ooh, 
Keys. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a review with words yes. on Apple Podcasts. And, and not just the stars. We actually need like the word reviews because that is what helps promote based on their algorithm. It's mm-hmm. those, even if it's just, hey, you know, Eric's great, Bane sucks, all that's fine. Just those things get more and more views and allows us to, and especially in cases like this, allows us to continue to promote the message of powerlifting and how awesome it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, leave us feedback on our Instagram account. You can drop into our DMs. Slide on in. We uh, we do enjoy getting the feedback. Um, we you know if it's something interesting, we'll try to bring it up in our loose ends. Um, but it, it it's always good to make sure that people are actually listening um, yes. to some of the crazy things and stupid things that we say. Um, you Most can, stupid on my end. Yeah, you can check out the merch store. Thanks, the <laughs> the link tree is in our bio. Um, anything else to add, Mr. Bain, on the main event project? No. Good to go. Okay. And again, I think we mentioned it in the episode, but if you're looking to find them, you can find them on Instagram at the main event project. No underscores. There is a separate account which has underscores, which has like one post and it has a WWE championship belt. Yeah. Um, so don't go to that one. No space, no underscores at the main event project to find out more information about uh, what Leah, Amber, Tara. Allison, and Tara are doing. Yes. Very good. With that, Mr. Bain, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anchor.